Welcome to Capes, Cows and Masks, where we uncover the world of soups and science fiction. Firstly, we want to apologize for the delay on this episode. Uh, Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, unfortunately Dave is under a local lockdown, so we're unable to record in person. Uh, We did try to record a show, um, we figured out a solution, uh, but due to technical difficulties... We weren't able to release it, and we also thought the quality of the show, it just wasn't up to the standards that we wanted to, and we felt that we couldn't do that to you guys listening. But anyway, we're back, up and running, and on this week's show, we've got a whole bunch of news. We take a look at the weird and wonderful trailer for WandaVision, Peacemaker is getting his own series on HBO Max, and Samuel Jackson returns as Nick Fury, and Marvel Studios have once again delayed some of the upcoming movies we got all this and more that's all this week on capes cows and masks everybody welcome to capes cows and masks i'm jake i'm dave and we're here to uncover the world of superheroes and science fiction hey <laughs> uh, due to uh, technical difficulties we are uh, very sorry guys we weren't able to put out um the show that went the previous show that was meant to come out we did record one had everything planned uh but due to this pesky virus that's going on We've had to do this remotely, so Dave's in uh, the lovely Ogre's Cantina yeah. on in Batu in Galaxy's Edge. The signal last week just was too bad from from all those galaxies away. Uh, exactly. Uh, you were <laughs> drinking too much of that blue milk. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm here in uh, Chepstow. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you've got like what was the Seven Bridge or the Prince Charles Bridge, whatever it's called, near you, and I've got. Um, a light speed, so <laughs> light speed yeah, bridge that, near me. That, that bridge is closed half the time. At the <laughs> uh, so yeah, guys, that's why you you might see a difference in quality due to us not being in the same room and we're recording this different way. So we're sorry about that, but uh, we'll try our best. We'll try our best. Yeah. Uh, but as we like to start off the show, Dave uh, was well. Well, I mean, you're sort of back in lockdown. Um, even though I'm not officially in lockdown, I'm treating it as lockdown. So. Trying it's to keep to keep myself occupied and watch a lot of stuff. Is it like uh, that a map from where people have parodied like Dad's Army, where all the arrows are around like Cardiff? <laughs> yeah, that's like where you're also like in in your county, where just everyone around you is locked down. So by default, you are locked down <laughs> technically because I can't go into any of the areas. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I can cross the bridge. Yeah, when it's open. you can go through if you want to go far away, but not not too close. close. <laughs> yeah. Stay away. Yeah. Uh, but what are you, what have you been watching, man? What have you been doing? Uh, like I said, I've just been trying to dip my toe into different TV series. You know, I recently finished up a few, um, finished a few film watch throughs. So it's been kind of testing out what I want to be watching next. Obviously, with lockdown, I've tried to keep it a bit lighter as well. So sometimes when you do look at your more sort of darker films or series, I'm 
I'm looking at those a bit more now and being like, eh, not for me today. So I've been watching like Close Enough, which is the new, net, semi-new Netflix series. I think it's been out in America a bit longer on Hulu. Uh, but I think it went through a bit of development hell in terms of finding a place for it to go. But, but yeah, I've been really loving that. If uh, if anybody's into their like adult animation, which is now a big thing because of Rick and Morty and... Uh, pretty much you know 25 percent of netflix at the moment then mm-hmm. it is a really great animated series especially like it, it aims towards that kind of like late 20s going into your 30s people who are like becoming parents that you know it's it's from the people who made regular show but it's then again like them doing more like adult stuff so they can have f-bomb etc and yeah it's just it's just madness and yeah i love it it's, it's fun um and yeah apart from that like i said it's just watching different movies which i've been recommended for a long time and trying different other series like i said amazon you know i've been watching the boys and and i tried out uh tales from the loop the other day which was an interesting one but not sure if i'll stick to that one but i i hate not i don't know if you're the same i hate starting a series not being able to carry on with it i've i i saw watching cursed weeks ago that netflix thing i was like yeah, i'm yeah. i'm not into this i don't like this and I was like, it was like episode five or something. And I, it's just, it was there for ages on my like continue watching. I was like, I need to finish it for like the completionist in me, but I just can't yeah. bring myself to watch the rest of it. No, I, I'm totally the same as you. Like, I, I hate not finishing at least a season of something. Yeah, that's what, yeah, I can, I can get away with like, okay, I'm not returned for season two kind of thing. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I, I also think like your first season is so important. It really has to start, sort of stand out to bring people in and like when people say oh the first season's kind of slow but it gets better afterwards i'm like well I-, I need a bit more than that to continue watching a show and even if it's like the first season like towards the end it gets really good um like i i, I just so i've wasted all this time yeah. just to get to like two good episodes or something like that i had the exact thing with agents of shield like everyone like oh it gets better it gets better and i watched it and Sure enough, the end of it, I was like, oh, yeah, that was really good. But then I watched the start of season two. I was like, oh, I kind of feel like I've gone backwards now to the beginning of season one. So it's like it is that whole like, oh, it gets good later on is is a big thing for me. Because I'm like, well, like you said, if it doesn't capture me straight away, then they're not doing their job. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you look at some of the best shows around, like they normally have a good first strong first season because, yeah exactly. uh, that, that's how, that's how you get people hooked i mean look mandalorian's a perfect example mm. uh of just this one short ver- relatively short season as well you know the the runtime of the episodes and the the you know the amount of episodes itself uh and it still caught fire so yeah and i think i think it's fair enough if you're saying like episode four or five where it like starts to get good that's that's a reasonable amount of time but like i said to get to an end of a season or something that's a bit that's a bit much yeah yeah um, yeah, I haven't really been watching that much TV apart from The Boys. Um, you know, that shit just keeps on getting more intense each episode. Uh, Homeland is losing weird. it even more. Stormfront's just, yeah, I don't want to spoil it for people, but it, it's getting weird. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, after watching the end of episode six, I was genuinely, I was watching, I'm watching it with my girlfriend. And I was just like, I don't know how they're going to wrap all this up in two episodes. Yeah, I think we're definitely going to have like a sort of cliffhanger. Sort oh, of, yeah. You know, yeah, sort of like yeah. the end of season one, um, which I'm all for. You know, I'm all for uh, because then, you know, if that will, you know, 
attract more attention to it. People will be craving for the answers, and then they can, you know, it's already confirmed for a season three, but maybe they can go beyond to yeah. four or five seasons. Well, I think it is three and four, I think, have been Have they greenlit. confirmed the fourth one? Yeah, yeah, I think greenlit three and four, I'm pretty sure. Nice, nice. More of the boys, please. Yes. Um, uh, and like you, I've just been revisiting some old movies, man. Um, the I revisited the Matrix trilogy. Nice. I fucking love those films, man. The first one is, is you know, the first one, what, what can else we say about the first one? It's magnificent in so many ways, you know, so impactful in this time. And I'm watching this movie now in 2020. I'm like, God, man, if if at least three quarters of all the action flicks now are not based off the Matrix and what these, the Wachowskis were doing there, I don't know what is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and even, and the storytelling as well, you know, the, you know the th- big uh, themes that they're going in there, and um, having revisited uh, this trilogy, especially looking at Reloaded and Revolutions, uh, you know, watching them one after the other, pretty much, you get the full picture, and you get the story they were trying to tell. And you know, like the, the sequels or not, uh, you know, the, the especially the third one, it gets a lot of criticism, a lot of, gets a lot talked about. You've got to give credit to the Wachowskis that they followed through on their vision. And I don't think they actually missed a beat in terms of the story they were trying to tell. And I, I don't know. I just had a, a new uh, look on the sequels. I mean, I've always sort of enjoyed the, th- the second one. Uh, but I enjoyed it even more this time. And the third one, I was like, you know what? It's not that bad. It's kind of like an all-out war film. It's not as heavy on the themes as the previous two. But I, I kind of feel as if everything that was already set up was already set up in those two films. It just needed to come to a conclusion. So, yeah, I know. I have a newfound respect uh, for the whole trilogy in general. Uh, very thoroughly enjoyed rewatching it. Yeah. So I, I urge people to give it another chance if they haven't you know, seen that one in a while. Yeah, especially because a lot of people are doing their typical Lord of the Rings, Rotterdam, Marvel, Star Wars. But, yeah, like you said, Matrix is... Especially because there is a movie, you know, like a fourth one coming yeah, out as well. Yeah. So it's a good chance to, to watch through them and... It's almost a bit like Star Wars in the way that you look at the critical consensus of a lot of them, then they will say, you know, oh, too CGI heavy, too much, you know, visual effects. And, you know, that's a lot of the stuff that was thrown at, you know, George Lucas when he was making uh, the Star Wars prequels. But like you said, you got to think then, well, you know, would people have been doing stuff that they are in action now if it wasn't for some of those visual enhancements that they did back then? Yeah, exactly. I mean... And the thing is, with the with the too many visual effects, you can't use that as a critique these days because <laughs> most of the films we watch is all visual effects, pretty much. So yeah, it, it's you can't really say that it's bad because it's got too many. Yeah. Like, is there, so then, what? Most of the films these days are bad. Like yeah, yeah. they're just more seamless I, today. You just can't notice it as yeah, much. Yeah, exactly. And and also, I think I just think they were ahead of the time. I don't know if the audiences at the time of release, which was 2003, I believe they came in like, they were released like six months apart from each other. Yeah. Or something like that. I just don't think they were maybe ready for it. Um, I think they had this certain, you know, you know, as Star Wars fans as well have, and any sort of really fandom have, have expectations after seeing the first one. And, you know, thinking, oh, it's going to go this way, it's going to go that way, Neo's going to be like this Superman sort of guy. And, you know, the Wachowskis, I actually thought, very bold in taking it the direction they did, mm. you know. Uh, while in the first one, very, you know, pretty much says that humans and machines are totally different. But then in the, the sequels, you start to see that line becomes a lot more blurred. And if you want a CGI mess from the Wachowskis, then it's Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> Jupiter Ascending. Speed Racer as well. 
That does have its fans, though. So I, you know, I'm yeah, not, no, not it has it has quite has quite a cult following. Um, but some of the visual effects and that, are just, yeah, I wouldn't say they're bad. It's just interesting choices. Kind of like uh, reminds me of those Spy Kids, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, had that. that sort of flavor. It's almost like they were trying to make like an anime style, but live action. Yeah, which I thought they already kind of did with the Matrix, like. Yeah. That, that, again, that's rewatching these. I was like, man, this is an anime. This is yeah. essentially an anime, just with you know real people. Yeah. Um. um but yeah, and uh, the Irishman. Finally watched the Irishman. Mm-hmm. All all uh, three and a half hours of my life <laughs> yeah. watching that. Yeah. Did man, you have solid. a break? Did you have a break? You were at home. Uh, no, no. I, I I went straight through. Um. I was actually. I thought I was going to have to at some point be like, right, let's stop this and. Yeah. Take a break and do something else. But no, I was I was fully engrossed in everything that was going on, and I was I was floored by the acting. I mean, obviously the talent in there, the names alone, you know, it's going to be great. But actually seeing it, I was just like, man, this is just too good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to show that to a class of uh, of actors, you know, aspiring actors, be like, just just you know, look at these guys at, at, the, yeah. cra- at the masses of the craft. It's like I didn't like when those articles out there like if you do want to split up the irishman here's the way to do it and i'm like no <laughs> i was like there probably is a way to do it and there probably are people out there who will want to do it that way but people have to get it like used to long films and long content <laughs> yeah i mean just, or, or don't watch it yeah like, if it's too long for you just simple like that i mean it wasn't intended to be made like a series do you no, know what i mean exactly yeah. so Anyway, man, let's get into the news because uh, we got some more news. A lot's been happening in the superhero world, especially. Mm, they're dish- uh, dishing out those trailers, dishing out those casting announcements. Yeah, for films we might not even know we'll ever see. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> As everything keeps on getting delayed. But we'll get into that. Uh, let's start off with some really positive news for something that we're definitely going to be seeing this year. Yes. And that is WandaVision. Mm. Got the trailer for the new Disney Plus series uh, from the MCU, uh, which will, funnily enough, be the first um, project Phase 4 of Marvel now. Yeah. With all, uh, all, all the delays. Oh, so, that's uh, true, yeah. Yeah, because it was meant to be Black Widow, but now we've all the delays. We've got WandaVision sort of kicking us off into Phase 4, yeah. which will be interesting. I liked how Disney sort of spun that, and they were just like, WandaVision is actually the official start of the fa- Phase 4. Is that, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, you know... Yeah. The best way to go into the story. I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like a ni- nice little spin there, Disney. But you know, I'm not. I'm sure they're not lying, but it is just funny. No, I they... mean, <laughs> I mean, I trust the people at Marvel. I trust the people. I you know, obviously, trust Kevin Feige. So you know, I'm, you know, I think they're smart enough to maybe jig things about that they could make it work. But you know, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but we're gonna be talking about the trailer now. The trailer. Man, what a bundle of weird this <laughs> is, and I fucking love it. Uh, it looks fucking great. Like, um, out of all the Marvel shows that they've announced coming to Disney Plus, I've most, imp- you know, most anticipated for WandaVision, mainly because uh, from the from the get go, when they said it's going to be like a sitcom type of show, but going through different areas of sitcom, and I was like, okay, that's going to be weird as, as hell. And and yeah. then I was thinking, how are they going to sort of do it? Because Vision's dead, and you know, you know, how how is this all going to play out? And then you know, everyone was saying, oh, it might be inspired by House of M, which looks like it's definitely going to be because there's uh, Easter eggs to that, and as well as um, Tom King's uh, maxi series, The Vision, yeah. where he has uh, two android, you know, builds a family and stuff for like that. Yeah, Highly yeah. recommend anyone to watch that. 
So I was like, okay, this is this is going to be weird. It's it seems like the most different type of thing that Marvel have maybe tried to do, in in terms of like really out there, maybe apart from like Guardians. Yeah. Um. So and, and the trailer delivered, man, in all those aspects. You know, are going starting off in like the black and white and the old school TV in the fifties to then go into like the seventies type of uh, sitcom. Um, seeing the original costumes of Scarlet Witch and Vision, yeah. like that, that Halloween party. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, and then, you know, Vision sort of trying to figure out if he is real, if he's dead, because, you know, that conversation he has with the lady in the car. Mm. Um, I mean, I think this, all of this, all of it, it's all a reality that Wanda is creating. Yeah. Well, that's the great thing. Like you said, the, the, cons- uh, the synopsis of the series is okay, this sounds weird that it's this ode to different sitcoms and going through the ages, but they've also sold it as, oh, you know, going through the different ages of sitcoms as Wanda loses her mind. And you're like, oh, crap, you know. So it does make it, one, support that whole alternate reality kind of thing. But yeah, like the aspect of her losing her mind is obviously something that people have wanted for a long time because that's a big part of her in in the comics, etc., and we've already been teased as to that in the films. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah. Def- I mean, throughout the films, pretty much since her introduction in Age of Ultron, you know, she's actually been incredibly like she's very powerful. Oh yeah, she could have took it. She could have taken down Thanos. Like she, yeah, was she was do nearly it. there. She was nearly there. You know, uh, before whatever that stuff he <laughs> threw at her rained fire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Uh, it's hinted at for the movies how powerful she can actually be. And she is powerful enough to, you know, change the universe in a way, change reality. So, and I think they're going to take the, they're not going to do exactly as they did in the comics because they, they're not there yet. And in the comics, in House of M, she sort of loses her two twins, which we saw in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, she sort of has a miscarriage, which drives her crazy. And she shouts, no more mutants. Yeah. And then all the mutants, apart from like, the obvious ones, <laughs> the you know, main the big, ones, the main ones are just all gone. It's like a reset for Marvel in a way in terms of mutants. Now the MCU can't do that because they haven't got any new mutants, mm. but I think they could find a way to flip it on its head. And maybe this could her tampering with reality could maybe be the cause of mutants to enter the MCU. Yeah. Or just open up the multiverse. So because she's in Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness, it could, exactly. it could be the people like, have predicted she could be somewhat of a villain for that if you know there's suddenly all these like i don't know portals open in which people are like can go in and out of or something uh or like you said she could change reality and things could like enter or, or you know come into the world i still think my problem with that is that to me i think you still need that legacy of the x-men because i think the problem with going oh mutants now exist is how do you sell professor x how do you sell beast or cyclops you know as people who are just like oh i've been doing this two weeks it's like no you need that you know especially magneto and x you know you would Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have that history there so but potentially like i said if she was opening multiverses maybe that's where there's a multiverse where the x-men do exist and they've had that history and they start to sort of trickle through into into our world or something like that Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Um, especially, like you said, especially with characters like Magneto and Professor X. Yeah. You know, um, th- th- we don't. I don't want to turn this into maybe an X Men discussion, but another um, point a lot of people have made out of is that how do you do Magneto's origin now? Exactly. Yeah. Because if if we're in like, because the end of Endgame, we're in twenty twenty three, so that's mm. like 
80 years. No. Yeah, it's like 70 years after the war or 80 years after the war. Yeah. And he's meant to be a Holocaust survivor. So you're going to have Magneto be what? An 80, 90 year old man? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's I, true. I don't know. I don't know how that works. But so, I mean, unless you could say maybe his mutation, they don't age the same. I don't know. Yeah. I, know. I was thinking about this actually with Captain Marvel. And, you know, this does link in to how they make things plausible. Because I was like, that was quite a clever film in that they were like, you know what? We want to introduce all of these characters so including uh, Monica Rambeau, for example, who is going to be in this series. So so they've done a clever thing of going, well, if we're going to do period pieces, we'll do it in a way that means that then by the time we do get to the present, they're at the age we want them to be. So another classic example, Ant-Man, you know, they're just like, oh, too bad. Like his daughter's not like a bit older. It's like, oh, you know, we've got this five year time jump. Great. You know, we've now got a young Avenger in the making kind of thing. So and it's the same, they could do the same with that. They could have some sort of 90s X-Men universe or something in which they've sort of come from there or something like that, especially if they want to please those 90s X-Men cartoon fans. Yeah, yeah, The, yeah, the totally. multiverse I... just opens and you just hear... Doctor Strange coming in, oh, what have we done? Why do I hear a guitar riff? Wait, what year is this? Uh, no, but it's it's funny because you mentioned the Doctor Strange thing. Like I've I've thought for a while now that uh, by the end of this season, this series, WandaVision, she will become the Scarlet Witch. You know, because mm. up until this point, we she hasn't been no called the Scarlet Witch. She's always just been Wanda Maximoff. So yeah. this could this could be the moment where she becomes the Scarlet Witch, and then I think she could possibly be the villain in Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange has got to sort of sort out the mess that she's making. So you know, in a way. It, I think, in a way, this does make a good start for the MCU in terms of Phase Four because I, re- I, you know, I'm obviously I'm going to watch Black Widow, but I didn't think that really would have kicked off what we're going to be in for the Eternals. That could also have a possibility, but that seems so like distant. Mm. That seems like it's over here doing its own sort of thing over a space of five thousand, ten thousand years, whatever they said. Uh, so I, yeah, I do believe. One divisions actually could be a very good kickoff to phase four. Yeah, and how how we proceed from here. So yeah, it's interesting. Uh, can't wait, man. No, definitely. Can't wait. Like I think the like you said, my favorite characters have been Vision and Wanda, or some of my favorite characters. So that's where I'm really excited for it because I think if you just sold it as like oh the Scarlet Witch show, it just kind of, it's kind of like the Loki one. I'm just not as excited for it because you don't get that flavor of what's going to be happening dramatically. So the fact that you've already got like a relationship and these characters that got such a history in the comics, and like you said, you know that there's children involved, there's death involved, there's madness involved. You're already like, oh, you know, you know, one division like that sells that as well as being like a clever pun to the, like the television stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think, and like you said earlier, I think it's great that the MCU is so theatrical and like theme parky in their movies that they can use this chance to be a bit more like let's go into the deeper themes let's go into the more psychological elements that we can't go into in the movies because we've now got eight to ten episodes that we can tell tell that through and i think it is interesting we're getting this before uh winter so- uh, falcon and winter soldier because yeah. originally that was going to be before it and a lot of people, I think, have speculated whether that has anything to do with the end of Black Widow or there's something in that film, like an end credit scene that links to that, which is why they're happier for Wanda and Vision to now be first. Mm. So I'm interested in that as well. But 
That makes sense. It makes sense if Black Widow was to tie into that show. Yeah. So, I I think. I yeah I I'm more excited. I was more excited for One Division, so I am happier we're getting it so first. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be interesting then to see how, like you said, it shapes the the series going forward as well. Whether they change up things, like Falcon Winter Soldier, whether now they're still doing filming, whether they sort of adapt it a bit more for how it fits in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like we said at top. I I trust the people at Marvel and, and Kevin Feige. So they're smart people. They've yeah they've proven they know what they're doing up until now. So and people I have, I have no issues. And people are definitely into it because this trailer did like fifty two thousand views. Which is yeah, actually yeah. like above like Infinity War's like initial viewership. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's impressive. Yeah, it's good. And you know, half the people were like, "Oh my god, I can't wait for the series," and the other half were like, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, what is so, going on?" So, and I, and I think that will that will attract people initially, just because the the, the sheer madness of it. They're just going to be intrigued. People are like, "What is this?" Like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're we're gonna be super excited to see that. Uh, but something we we'll, won't be seeing for a while. Is the Marvel movies? Mm. Uh, so we've Speaking got some of Black more. Widow. <laughs> yes, more more delays. Ev- the ever delaying cinema life. <laughs> uh, we've had, uh, unlike before, Marvel shifted their whole release. Uh, every mo- movie they had planned this time, they're only shifting three of them: uh, Black Widow, Eternals, and Shang Chi. All get new release dates. All pushed to next year well two of them were already pushed the next year but later down the year uh let me see if i've got the yep so black widow which was supposed to be coming out this november is now being released may 2021 we got Eternals that was meant to come out in february 2021 coming out in november 2021 and then shang chi which was meant to come out in february 2021 has now got a may date in 2021 so um Interesting that they've moved Black Widow and Shang-Chi so close together. Yeah, I kind of I suppose it does stick to the whole summer formula of like when you had Spider-Man Far From Home and like Avengers. So that that kind of makes sense, I suppose, from that, from that point of view. And they do seem like both summer summer movies. But mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I think I briefly said to you before, wasn't it? And you might have seen me on Twitter, like sort of complaining to people about this. But when they kind of go... Oh, uh, well, the Eternals has been moved all the way. Why would you do that? Shang-Chi is still being made and all this stuff. I'm like, we got to get used to this idea of like, we're not just being like, oh, move this to there. Move, you know, it has to make sense where it goes. Like, No Time to Die, for example. Like, I don't think for a minute that they went on and just plonk it in November because we hope the pandemic will be done by November. Like, November is like famously been a month in which James Bond has been released, you know. So, yeah, which is I actually found it weird that they were releasing this one in April. Exactly. So, if they wanted to delay it again, they might even then say, "Do we want to go back to April because that maybe wasn't an actual good fit for for James Bond?" So, yeah, I think it's the same with this. I'm perfectly happy with the Eternals being a Christmas because it does seem, or you know, November close to winter because it does seem like we we've been teased about black widow for so long that you know we need to see that first obviously but the fact that we've seen nothing of like eternals barely anything like it's it's it's, it's like fine to be that far away because they can get away with that fact that people aren't like oh we've seen the trailer we want it now kind of thing Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. because even with shang chi there have been like a bit of like set photos and stuff like that so yeah they've gone back into production now because um Mm. australia got handled on things 
yeah. pretty well. So that, and that's happening down there. So yeah, they're back into production. Yeah. So yeah, so it's I I think it, the dates have worked out well for that, and they they mm-hmm. might even do it going forward. Like I said, you know, they might have delayed Multiverse of Madness until a certain date, but I wouldn't be surprised going forward if they still start moving things again to you know to not go well. Actually, does that make sense there? You know, and that kind of thing. Yeah, because they moved. Doctor Strange is not coming out to like 2022. Yeah, and it's like Mar- or, March or, or twenty or 2023 or something like that. Yeah, I think it's 2022, but it's like March, and I'm like. That seems like a sort of May release to me. That should be like your yeah. summer blockbuster. Actually, if it, yeah, if anything, I would even say like a, a winter release. The previous Doctor Strange was a winter release. Yeah. So. And also the fact that you're waiting that long between, you know, because if WandaVision is meant to tie into Multiverse of Madness, that's a long wait. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think to that's... To find out, you know, what happens next. Like I think that's like. where it moved from. I think it originally was going to be winter 2021 and then it moved to that March, but... Yeah. Um, but yeah, whether they then, like you said, put it like winter twenty twenty two, could 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 happen. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, I think I think it's you know it's smart. Uh, but the only issue I ha- I have is that this should have been done at the beginning of this whole mess. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like that first time they postponed it, they should have just gone a whole year next year. So one woman, uh, sorry, Black Widow is now coming out May twenty twenty one. Yeah, done. You know, and then. All of us would be like, okay, it's a bummer, but at least I've got that to look forward to. Yeah, and that you don't have this constant: is it going to move? Is it not going to move? You know, mm-hmm. the, what's happening with Wonder Woman? The poor box office of Tenant. Well, maybe not poor box office, but uh, not as much as they may be expected. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think this is just the right thing to do, uh, and people just need to, um, you know, just deal with it. Really. Yeah. Because it could still change, you never know. But I, I feel that everyone's feeling is that it is like spring 2021 seems like the safe, you know, anybody, whether you're a scientist or just average Joe, you kind of think like, by the way... Well, we, we, the way, we hope. Yeah, we, we hope, the way yeah. things are played out this year, that seems to be what makes sense for it to be like a safe, you know, bet to like by that time. I think regardless, I think they will bite the bullet and just release them anyway. Yeah. Even if it's not maybe a hundred percent safe, you know, and it's all back to sort of where we were, uh, oh I still yeah. think they'll be like, ah, oh, we just got to release it now, especially Black Widow. Yeah, well, that's why I was surprised in a way because I thought that they might go down the premium access route if they didn't do like a sort of like January release or something like that. I th- or February, I thought they would do a full sort of, you know, okay, we'll try it. You know, we just need to release it now. So in a way, it is surprising that it is that far away because, you know, Mulan and stuff didn't get away with sort of because they were so far into the advertising campaigns. They didn't have that luxury of being able to be like, oh, well, wait till next year because it was so close to coming out. But yeah, Black Widow just got away with just by the skin of his teeth, I think, to be honest, because it was like just that sweet spot where it was like a few weeks away. They hadn't showed too much, but it is still quite surprising. I will be interested to see if, there is a drop in interest because of, like you said, you know, you were like, I wasn't as interested in that film already anyway, just because it was kind of like, a, it doesn't add to the story as much maybe. So I'll be interested to see if there is any effects to that going forward in terms of like whether people are like, eh, you know, feel like it's kind of. Yeah, because, yeah, she dead. <laughs> yeah. She dead. You know who's not dead though and still kicking it? Nick Fury. Yeah. <laughs> and Samuel Jackson, he's still working to this day. Was what a guy this guy is. Uh, but Samuel Jackson is back 
as Nick Fury. He is reported to be back as Nick Fury in a new Marvel series for Disney+. Plus. Uh, so a lot of people were sort of uh, saying wrongly that it's a Nick Fury series. Mm. Uh, that is not confirmed, people. It's not confirmed if it is about him. It could be just about him. We don't know. I think it would be kind of cool if it was. Or he could just maybe add some more star power to an established series. Who knows? Um, but what are your thoughts on this, man? Sammy, Sammy J is coming back. Yeah. I just immediately had the image. I just... I- I'm almost more interested in like the Samuel Jackson asking for a Nick Fury series rather than the Nick Fury series itself. I just have this image of him going into the Disney office, be like, "Motherfucker, give me a series," you know? Like, <laughs> they're just, they're like, <laughs> like he's just like watching the success of the Mandalorian. He's just like on the phone to like Kevin Feige, just like, "Where the hell are my series at? <laughs> yeah, What's I going on here?" <laughs> English, Just like when, do he you are, when he speak asked it? George Lucas, I want a purple lightsaber. Exactly that, you know, <laughs> he is infamous for that kind of stuff. So he's just like, Disney Plus, do you speak it? <laughs> <He's just> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I. Th- but again, that's why I hope it brings to the series. That's the Im- immediate effect I had. Like you said, I think it would maybe be more of a Agents of Sword or you know whatever the the new team is going to be etc because they've teased that from One Division etc. Hmm. So where this could gonna... possibly as well uh, people are thrown out it could be like a uh, Agents of Sword series. Yeah, because you know by the end of um, Far From Home in the post credit scene we see Nick Fury in the spaceship with all the scrolls. Yeah, and that that's basically the formation of Sword, which is like the space version of Shield. Yeah, exactly. So like that's why I think that that could easily be a pl- possibility. They could do a sort of secret invasion type see you know they might not call it that but it would be something leading up to that storyline mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah makes sense um but also yeah so i think all of that would make sense but like i said that immediate reaction that i had is just that i so even though that they might be more like teams or shows or they might be a part of a bigger storyline i am just excited to see Sam Jackson have fun as Nick Fury because I f- don't feel we've really got a chance to fully see that yet. I think in Captain Marvel and Avengers maybe, but I think he took quite a backseat in, you know, Age of Ultron especially because, you know, like Black Widow, he died. <laughs> or supposedly. Uh, not so much maybe like Black Widow. We'd have to see the, 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 the new film to see whether... The, but, uh, yeah, the fact that he, he... And it's even surprising I was actually thinking about it in Endgame, at the end, I was like, it was surprising he wasn't in the end battle. Like he was at the funeral of uh, Tony Stark, but I was surprised he wasn't actually at the like end fight kind of thing. Yeah, Might I mean, have... what's he gonna do? Exactly, really? he's yeah. just there with a pistol or something. He could show up with another helicarrier, maybe. You know, <laughs> I mean, Hawkeye's got a bow and arrow, so <laughs> yeah. There's only one. There's only room for one person who's got like a really easy, you know, easy to defeat weapon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's why I'd like to see is just Sam jackson having fun as the character getting into like you know sort of good storylines not just be like you said a kind of agent shield thing or like oh this week he you know infiltrates a boat and you know oh this week you know like i said i want it to be a big storyline that's worthy of the character of nick fury as well because he he does have some great storylines and moments etc in the comics as well Mm, absolutely i like when i heard this news i was really kind of hoping that they would do something in the vein of like the Winter Soldier, would make it like a very political type of thriller, espionage type of uh, series. Yeah. Uh, and I think because I, you know, I should have researched this, but I don't believe 
Samuel Jackson has ever done TV, has he? Yeah, no, that's what I was thinking as well. I, yeah, he might have done maybe yeah, cameos possi- or maybe, maybe well, he was yeah. an agent of Shield actually for like yeah. you know, okay, all the two okay, seconds. Yeah, you, you could count that, but that doesn't really count. No, so I think he's not in a starring like, role or anything. No. Yeah, if he's going to be a predominant role in whatever series this is, whether it's about him or or another character, I think it would be really interesting because he'll have a lot more screen time than he's had at the movies. Um, so I think he'll have you know he'll be able to experiment more and you know mm. try different styles maybe we could look a bit deeper under Nick Fury and stuff like that so and TV's got the room to do that so yeah i'm excited for it man uh, wherever he um wherever it's his own show or he pops up in another show and i also think it's plays more you know they're being serious marvel when they say you've got to watch these uh, tv shows as much as the movies for the whole story to make sense. Mm. And I think by adding Nick Fury into that really cements that because he sort of was the glue, especially in phase one. Uh, so to ha- to bring him back into the TV, that sort of furthers the glue between the movies and the TV world. Yeah. And it basically, it'll give people be like, Oh, I've got to watch it. Cause this guy's in it, you know? Yeah. It could also, it could almost be a bit like what they were doing with the one shots originally, you know, that, that could act as a kind of like, you know, like, oh, people didn't like the Mandarin. This makes this one shot to make up for that. They could kind of do the same thing with this series. It could kind of be like, you know, if people didn't like the whole, like, uh, is I again, like, scratched out or whatever. They, yeah. You know, they could <laughs> have something, you know, that maybe retcons that slightly as well. So, mm. yeah, I mean, and there's there's plenty of other shows I think he could pop up in. Like, I think he, he could easily pop up in She-Hulk or Miss Marvel or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, Hawkeye as well. Yeah, I'd see that makes sense sense if he sh- showed up there. And like you said, if they want Sword to be a big thing going forward, which I assume they would, because again, they're kind of lacking that sort of unit team kind of yeah. thing now with that they haven't got. They've had because I think it's been surprising actually how long they've gone with. Oh, Shield is gone, you know, kind of thing. Everyone kind of expected some form of Shield to rise back up after a while, but I think now at this stage, after especially after the snap, you would think that the world would be like, "Can we please have something like this back?" You know. Yes, yes, something to protect us from aliens. Yeah, please. So a space space one would be would be would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Look forward to that. Um, we'll see. We'll see when that's. I think that'll be quite far away off, but uh, mm. we'll see what happens there. Uh, we'll go into some a bit sadder news, and that is the unfortunate cancellation of. The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance from Netflix. Uh, my heart. <laughs> I know. Uh, Dave, I'm going to let you sort of go ahead and start this one up because I, I haven't seen the show. I haven't re- I haven't even really seen the original movie. and st- um, yeah. So I've got no personal attachment to this franchise, but I know you sort of do, and I know a lot of people do. So mm. um, what are your thoughts on the cancellation and stuff and all this news? Uh, yeah, I think it's... It is very unfortunate, but, you know, like I said, at the same time, it wasn't a surprise. I think a lot of people saw it come in because even though Netflix isn't the type to be like, you know, like a movie, if it opens a big box office weekend, they'll obviously want to grab people with headlines and be like, oh, we're making a sequel, you know, like, and then people are like, oh, and let's go see this film because they know the sequel's coming out. So whereas Netflix maybe not, doesn't do that as much with its series, they have tended to be with Stranger Things and Umbrella Academy, so... When the Dark Crystal came out, you could kind of tell even just by the, because they kind of made the teasers and stuff for it early on, and people were getting excited. But then there was like massive gaps between the teasers, and you kind of thought, okay, well, it's like puppetry. I'm assuming it's taken quite a while. But you know when 
like I said, like maybe something like Fan- Fantastic Four, like that Josh Trank movie, you, you can kind of just get a feel of like, something doesn't feel right here. It kind of feels like you're not fully supporting this, you know, this project kind of thing. So it always felt a bit like that with Netflix to me as well. It didn't seem like they quite got on board with it and they didn't, they did advertise it on TV a bit, but I don't think they really saw like made a case for why people should should watch it and why people, you know, because they had the original film on there as well. Like they could have made the case for like, you know, here's the original film, watch the original film, get excited for the series. They did, you know, they were aiming it at the hard, you know, the, the audience which grew up with this and wanted it. But I don't think anybody could have ever said that that was a massive audience. You know, like you can definitely, there's definitely a history in film and TV production of going, oh, this thing has now gained a cult following. Let's make a thing for that cult following. And that can have success. But at the end of the day, it's still a cult following because it's still not a mass appeal thing. So I think they should have done more to appeal it to a bigger audience. And that's why, like I said, when it came out and it kind of just went away from the trending within like a week, you didn't hear any announcements. A lot of the trades, etc., cetera, were sort of like saying about, ooh, season two, what this could mean. But just nothing was coming from that, you know. So even though like the trades were kind of poking them for answers, they weren't biting and there was nothing coming from any of the creators and anybody. And in fact, the only thing that really popped up um, when we were talking about Doctor Strange earlier was, uh, you know, the Labyrinth sequel that they're working on. And that has, uh, what's his name? The director of Doctor Strange? Uh, Scott Derrickson. Yeah. So he's going to be working on uh, the Labyrinth film. Good choice. Yeah. So that that and i don't think that's even connected to netflix so like i said it's it wasn't a surprise but i think it is a shame for me the biggest shame is just the like one it is sticking to the typical netflix trope is that you know they're all for original content but then they don't really support it that much and you know i had the same thing when they canceled american vandal completely different type of series like a comedy mockumentary crime series but it was just it was like nothing i've seen before on television it was so inventive so good and it's the same with this series, you know, it was like puppetry on television again. Like, I don't know if you remember, like, I didn't like watch this because it was a bit goofy, but like on ITV, they used to have like a troll kind of like puppet series on, like, you know, after you come home from school. And it was like going back to those sort of days. We were like, oh, my God, remember when you turn on kids television and there would be puppets on TV and like and like I said, that's why I would recommend you to watch it, just because the sheer amount of detail and uh, passion and work that's gone into this series, that's the biggest shame is just the fact that they, yeah, it probably, you can see why they cancelled it as well because of the expense, because you watch that series and you're like, that is damn expensive. But that's why, again, I I just hope it turns into something in the future. I hope that, like, that the Henson Company is still its own entity so they can still take it elsewhere. They can still make another film if they wanted to. They've still got comics and books coming out about it. But I think it's just, it was the biggest thing for me is that it was, it was not great on the, the negative side of Netflix thing. And it wasn't a great thing on the, the aspect of like, it's down there with 2D animation, isn't it? It's like puppetry, 2D animation, stop motion animation. It's like, we want these things to fry, thrive, but people just aren't buying into it, unfortunately. <laughs> That's why I just want them, wish they would, but yeah, sad when things like this happen. Yeah, it is sad. I mean, um, I haven't watched the show, but gathering from the trailers, you know, again, I haven't watched the original stuff, but I'm aware of it, you know, being part of my childhood. Mm. Maybe I haven't sat down and watched it, but I've passed it in, you know, 
other people watching it and I'm aware of, you know, all the skill that goes into puppetry. I mean, mm. I'm a huge practical guy, you know, whenever, whenever you, especially in like sci-fi and fantasy, if you can make something that you can actually touch, it just gives it that more believability. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, yeah. So, you know, you know, the original Star Wars, the Lord of the Ring films, you know, how it was all done so practically. Um, I think the problem though with this is that Yes, this is a cult following, and yes, you need to. But those people are already on board, no matter what you release. Exactly. You know yeah, I mean? that's. I the whole point is that you need to sort of bring new people in. Mm, yeah. Um. You know, like we sort of had that with with the sequel trilogy of Star Wars, but it still brought a whole new generation of fans in and found new things to love about the franchise. Um. But if you're just going to target that very niche audience. Of course, you're not going to, you know, you can't survive on just the fans. You have to reach out to the to the average Joe to get them hooked into this series. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, that even watching the series, you do watch it at points like, you know, they could have made changes to appeal to a bigger audience because there are so many things that are like, oh, only a certain type of person would enjoy this kind of storyline or like um, seeing the things that they see because... Because let's face it, there's a lot of people out there who also just think puppets are creepy and that kind of things. But, <laughs> yes, you know, and yeah. this this is not the best example to be like, well, this will change your mind. You know, watching like a horrific bird monster, you know, like consume, you know, <laughs> creatures, etc. But they did lay too heavily, like you said, on the nostalgia because the Skeksis, which are those like big bird-like creatures... You know, they, they're played by Simon Pegg, Jason Isaacs, you know, all these big actors, Mark Hamill, brilliant voice work from Mark Hamill again. As always. But, you know, you do kind of watch it thinking like, are you spending too much time on these, you know, because what made them so great in the original film is that, you know, they're kind of like, you love them, but you obviously didn't get too much of them. And while the, you know, the series doesn't like make it all about them or anything, it's just, I think in the advertising of it, you've got, you know, um, Taron Edgerton was playing like the lead uh, Gelfling character. You had mm. uh, Anya Taylor-Joy who was playing like the other one. And then her name has escaped me, but she was in uh, Game of Thrones. She played uh, Daenerys' uh, translator. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I know who you mean. Uh, she plays like the other character. And I was like, those are three really big characters, but also upcoming, up and coming people. So rather than like focusing on the like Simon Pegg, you know, like again, like all those people are invested anyway. You don't need to get like nudes involved in this. Like Simon Pegg's following his nudes. They're already invested. But, you know, Anna Taylor-Joy, Taron Edgerton, there's loads of people who love those those actors. And Taron Edgerton was a massive fan of the original film. So I think they should have tapped into that more. And like, and because again, when you do watch it, you realize how great those actors are and how great their voice work is. So again, I hope it's picked up by somewhere. And uh, yeah, my biggest thing is I'm bringing that 4K version of uh, Dark Crystal down to, down to your house once lockdown's Please over. Please do. Dick. Please do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I also think this speaks, again, to my further criticisms of Netflix, of this whole uh, one weekend dump and run sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do, you, do you know what I mean? Like, I think we've spoken about this before, but I prefer serial TV, you know, each week looking forward to an episode. And I just find with Netflix a lot of the time, like, unless they heavily promote it, like a Stranger Things. Or like an Umbrella Academy, even still a, a Umbrella Academy, to a to a point no one's really talking about it anymore. No. Um, if you just dump it on the weekend, you know you'll get a few hardcore people that will you know what binge the whole thing. But then other people will just watch a couple of episodes. But then you get everyone talking about it for that weekend, and then that's it. You know the 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 talk about it dies off, and then you just don't keep audiences engaged. That's why 
like I've said before, some of the best series are weekly. You know, they give you eight, ten, or even some of them twenty episodes, and you know, that's like ten to twenty weeks of of content of story just to keep you going hooked. You know, and to talk about it with your friends, people at work. Shit, did you see this week's episode? Wow, what the fuck? You know, yeah. It's, but you don't really get that with Netflix. You don't like. So it's this is just my criticism of the whole. I get it. You know, it's sort. Of, I don't think they can sort of go back on it now because that is become their staple is the binge uh, sort of thing. But I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's, at the minute, causing them more harm than good. Well, I just looked, like, quickly on my app at the trending section, and like you said, Umbrella Academy isn't there. And for a show that released, like, the end of July, you know, okay, it is, like, two months or something, but still, you know, as one of your biggest shows, and that's the problem with Netflix, things just, dis- you know, you're like, where is it gone, you know? like And the same with Dark Crystal, it just disappeared off the homepage, couldn't find it anywhere. And then I'll be watching things and, you know, uh, I don't know if you have this, but on my TV, when I like go away from Netflix for a while, it comes up with these like wallpaper kind of things. And they've got like little taglines underneath them saying like, uh, like one of my friends was uh, around the other day and they laughed when Deadpool came up and it said something like uh, edgy and like, it's like phrase words. I'm like, it's almost as if they put their Google analytics on like the, the, the ad, the advertisement of the film. I'm like, you want to be putting like superhero, you know, comedy. You don't want to be putting things like edgy, inspirational, because that's kind of like just keywords that you should be using for your analytics, not just on the front page. But, but like I've been getting like then at the end of things, they're like, oh, things will think you'll like, and it's like German and Norwegian, see like <laughs> fantasy fantasy series. I'm like. Just because I watched Dark Crystal doesn't mean I'm like that invested in fantasy. <laughs> we that think you like this. Yeah, I, I'm gonna like you know. Okay, yeah, I'm not saying that I'm against subtitled stuff, but it's like, is that how niche you think that the the, the trend is? They're like, oh, the, you know, we'll only aim Dark Crystal towards people who are also watching, yeah. you know, subtitled fantasy series, you know, etc. It's like that. It's that kind of thing that that bugs me as well, and and it's also. It's just also a throw it at the wall and see what sticks kind of thing as well, isn't it? It's just like... There's too much of that in Netflix. And I also think a lot of the content they produce is too algorithm-based. Uh, I don't want to get like, I don't want to get too much into that because <laughs> that, that, that's a whole other rabbit hole we yeah. could get down. Uh, let's move on, shall we, to... So The Dark Crystal won't be returning, but you know who is getting a series? Be like a douchey Captain America. The guy who believes in peace at any cost, no matter how many people he needs to kill along the way. Okay, I got it. Peacemaker. (laughs) (laughs) The series everyone asked for. (laughs) Oh my God, I couldn't believe this. Genuinely, I would never have predicted this. No. Like, like, it just completely threw me off guard. I remember reading the headline and being, I just started laughing. I'd be like, what? Yeah. (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) So that's right, folks. Well, is uh, it is it called Peacemaker or is it called Fuck It's Peacemaker or something like that? Fuck It's Peacemaker. Yeah. Uh, so yes, folks, we're gonna get uh, John Cena's Peacemaker from James Gunn's new upcoming The Suicide Squad film. We'll be getting his own HBO Max series. The show uh, will all episodes will be there'll be eight episodes, all written by creator James Gunn, and I believe he will also be directing a couple of the episodes as well. Uh, I remember seeing uh, the talk on Twitter after this was announced, and James Gunn basically said, yeah, we were in lockdown, so I decided to write a TV show. <laughs> yeah. 
that's, I mean, fair play. That's uh, p- putting putting I, the hours to good work. I got a bit bored of editing the Suicide Squad, so I just, you know, made a spin-off of it. <laughs> I know. So, man, I, I'm going to ask your thoughts initially. Like, what the hell, man? And <laughs> also, at the same time, this is fucking great. Yeah. While I wouldn't have anticipated a series being made of it, I always did find it weird. Like, I don't know if we can go back to that fandom episode and maybe I would have said something, but I was surprised in that, like, highlight reel. I was like, why are they focusing so much on Johnny? Because it was weird that they were like, they introduced all the characters and they were like, oh, we've got this character, Peacemaker. And then it went to John Cena talking about Peacemaker. I was like, why have you not done this for, like, Ratcatcher, you know, Polka Dog Man? They didn't seem, it was only him that, and maybe like Harley Quinn that they seem to focus on. And I was like, it's a bit weird. Why Why have they done that? I was like, oh, you know, maybe he is that good in the film or, you know, it's John Cena, et cetera. But, but now it kind of makes sense. Like you said, it's, you know, I wouldn't have expected it, but it does seem as if they were like early on being like, we're going to prep this guy for a series because I imagine that they, it's kind of like, an, I don't know if you want to kind of call it like, kind of like the old days, but it does seem like when you did did used to kind of like what they've done with the Batman, they've kind of gone, oh, we'll make a Gotham series. But that, I think, was a bit more like made sense. Whereas here, it does seem that they would like, you know, executives or whoever's seen early cuts of the film and gone, that character is really cool. That character, like John Cena's really fun as this thing. Let's take a chance and make a series of it, you know, rather than like, oh, let's wait for it to come out. And then like, let's just have a Harley Quinn show because everyone likes Harley Quinn. It's that like more risky uh, direction which they're taking, which is what I appreciate most about it and I think is the best thing for HBO Max to do. Because again, we just talked about how Netflix is failing at taking risks because they're not willing to give them multiple series to, to try it out. Well, that's where I think HBO Max could thrive is, you know, series like that. Yeah, HBO Max uh, recently pulling out all the stops with some really good shows. I mean, HBO in general have always produced really good quant- content. Yeah. And if they're going to bring that level of TV content to HBO Max, you know, all the better for them. And I think this really shows the belief and faith in James Gunn and what he's doing with the Suicide Squad. Yeah, it does make him a lot more of a DC guy now, which I think is interesting because he was so yeah. tied yeah. to Marvel. And and it's interesting because you know he's always been very positive about his work with Marvel and the Guardians films, but mm. I don't know. It just he seems just so excited mm. and happy to be working on the Suicide Squad. You know all the interviews and all the tweets I've seen him sort of tweet out. You know he seems genuinely really gassed, and he said and he he says he's also said that it's been the most fun, uh, the most fun shoot he's ever had. Yeah, uh, Margot Robbie's been the best actress he's ever worked with. Yeah. So, you know, th- there's all these things. And, and John Cena is interesting because I, I, I'm i not surprised that James Gunn has maybe found a character in this movie and gone, I really like this guy. Let's maybe tell a bit more of his story, of his before story. Mm. The only hesitation I have, and I'm still excited for the show, is in John Cena's acting capabilities. Now, I know as of recently, he has been doing a couple more good films. Yeah. Uh, but it's more supporting roles or it's more sort of comedic relief sort of uh, roles. I don't know. I mean, I could be proven completely wrong. You know, James Gunn's obviously, a, you know, he's got a better eye than I do. He, yeah. he knows what he's talking about. But I don't know if John Cena uh, can carry a whole show, has that gravitas to, to, to lead a whole show. I don't know. I could be completely yeah. wrong. I think it's just I, one of my concerns. Yeah, I have that concern as well, and I think I would agree more with you if I was seeing it as like you know John Cena is going to carry 
you know, Fargo, as they were talking about earlier or something, but you would be like, oh God, you know. But um, to me, I think back to like Dave Bautista, where it's that typical thing, like you said, of taking a wrestler, turning them into an actor. And let's, you know, let's be fair, like, you know, when have we ever had like a wrestler win like an Oscar or something? So mm. it, you know, they, they all, you know, even Dwayne The Rock Johnson is still playing Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's not like, you know, a, an award-winning actor by any means. So I think I see it as like, so where Dave Batista works quite well, I think he has improved as he's gone along because like yeah, you said, he's been, yeah. you know, in other things. But uh, he got away with it with Drax because the way the Drax acts and speaks was kind of blocky and awkward anyway because that's just the character because he takes everything literally so to me that's what i imagine that this character is a bit like i think it's kind of like james gunn's approach to drax is the same with this character i think that mm. he'll be so righteous or so over the top and stupid that it'll work for cena's acting style so i think they'll mm. get away with it and it won't come across as like oh this is bad acting because it's just a part of the character and a part of the performance yeah it's it's funny you mentioned that because i was kind of thinking the same thing you know what James Gunn did was that, you know, and Dave Bautista says this, he's admitted it, you know, he's not the most versatile actor, you know, mm. he's still learning, he's still relatively new in the acting business. Um, so, you know, and James Gunn, but he saw the strengths that Bautista had. Yeah. And he focused on those. He focused on what he was good at and brought that really to the front. Yeah. And, you know, if he's done a j similar thing with John Cena, then, you know, then I am looking forward to this. Yeah. Uh, but but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, again, you got to say that Warner Brothers, because this is the third now, the third spin-off show, because they've got the Batman with the Gotham series, this one, and they're also doing a uh, Sisterhood series to accompany the Dune film. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so they're pulling out all the stops, and I think this is going to be the sort of the future in a way. This is the next step in our interconnected sort of universes where TV and movies is all going to merge. Yeah, well, we were talking about that the other day, weren't we? Because I think a lot of people have said in their launch, obviously, they should have been more like had a Harry Potter series ready to go and that kind of stuff. So it is like they're playing catch up in that sense that they're now getting the idea of like, oh, yeah, we'll have these franchises and make these series to go along with them. Um, but yeah, it's just too bad they, <laughs> they didn't do that originally because they do literally just need to have like Disney Plus, DC, Harry Potter, da da da, like these big staple things. Looney Tunes, on, yeah, all, all the all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. on their front page, etc. So, and I think yeah, to because me, franchises keep your streaming service alive. Yeah, you you the new original content that's great, mm. but people won't watch that unless they have a franchise that they're attached to to subscribe to that service. If you know what I mean. Yeah, and I and in a way, I think it also somewhat helps smaller films in cinemas, etc., because it just means that rather than people, the conversation being like, oh, well, everyone goes to streaming now, and that's the bigger thing. People only go to the cinema for the big movies. Well, actually, if streaming becomes a bit more of like companions to the big movies, then small films can still have their place at the cinema, etc. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's... And like you said, the, the most interesting thing for me going forward is as well is James Gunn's involvement in DC as, as a whole. I think once upon a time, he looked like he was going to be like taking over for Joss Whedon and covering the cosmic side of the MCU. But like now, I think, and I would be happy with this, is just that he just bows out with Guardians 3 and we just have that nice trilogy there. Because I do think that his madcap kind of weird characters might not fit actually for the rest of the mcu i was always worried if he did a doctor strange or something that he would not be quite the right fit for the rest of the mcu whereas i think the dc like I said you've got so many of these weird characters that he's already introducing 
like the Suicide Squad, etc., that he does fit a bit more into that that world as well. Yeah, I mean the D, the Suicide Squad world in general. You know, he might just go around and be like, "I want to do a um, what was Idris Elba's character Bloodshot?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bl- uh, Bl- I want to do a series of him, or I want to do. Um, it will never happen, but like a, bird, um, a Harley Quinn series. You never know. He could, mm. so many characters that he's got there that he can just be like that one or that one. Mm. Um, and a final word on this. I also think this gives a uh, sort of a spoiler. That I d- I think Peacemaker will actually make it through the movie. I don't think I don't think you invest a whole TV show yeah. in a in a char- uh, um, in a character that you kill in the first film we see him in. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's also I was going to say that because I heard the I heard prequel series thrown around, but I'm yeah, not sure if yeah, I it's, ever. Yeah, it's yeah, it's confirmed. James Gunn said it is a prequel. Series. Yes, but like like you said, I can't. You still can't imagine that. Like, why would you have a prequel series? You know, it's like giving. Um, Slipknot, a prequel series from the first Suicide Squad yeah. film, you'd be like, "Well, why he just died?" What's the like, point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no point. so I, I think he's, I think he's making it out of this one. Yeah, I think it might be surprising how many make it out. To be honest, because all of them seem like such great actors and characters, I think it'd be a shame to lose a you lot. You know of what? Them. I genuinely think most of them will go. Yeah, that, that could I think happen. Maybe apart from apart from like the really obviously, you're not going to kill Harley Quinn. No. Um, I don't now with this. I don't think you're killing John Cena. I don't think you kill Rick Flag because he's sort of again one of those anchors of the sh- of the team. Yeah, um, and I don't think you kill Bloodshot because Idris Elba. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think the one that's what I liked about the team is that you have all these characters. The seem none of them seemed like in the first film. Just bait, and you know, just one of the extras to be one of the ones that dies. You don't want that. So if you have Pete Davidson as there as his character, you're like, oh my god, Pete Davidson's, and he just dies. You're like, oh, oh, that's a shame. But it's not like I said with Slipknot or something. We were like, oh well, that was obviously going to happen because he just he didn't say anything and he didn't look like that good a character. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. we'll Excited. see. I think uh, it's everyone. Everyone's fair game in this film. <laughs> I've just got the image now of you saying that, of like just. Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn there at the end of this film with like a burning set piece behind them. And then she's like, did everyone die? And then he just comes out and she's like, oh, for God's sake, <laughs> this, this <laughs> asshole, this asshole. This there. douche, yeah. <laughs> douchier Captain America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll stay on DC and we're going to go to the, the, <laughs> the not so controversial Zack Snyder's Justice League or the Snyder cut or whatever you want to call this cut. But this is also news that caught me off guard. I did not see coming. I never thought it would go down to this route. Mm. And that is, he's getting the gang back together to do some reshoots. And on top of that, these reshoots reportedly, not confirmed, but it's reportedly going to cost around $70 million to do. Yeah. Which is funny because that's like that's more than the, a, a lot of films' whole budgets. Well, that's a lot more than the thirty million that they originally announced as well. So where, where's yeah, where's on, this on just ex- the visual just the visual effects and stuff like that? Yeah. So where's this extra forty million come from all of a sudden? Yeah, I want to address that with this though. Like, I'm just so tired that whenever there's a bit of news regarding Zack Snyder or the Snyder Cut or, or anything like that, it just becomes a war out there on social media, and you know. And I don't know. I feel as if some people are just literally waiting for Zack Snyder to tweet something so they can go, you know, and then and then there's other people as well who are 
you know, great, you know, Zach devotees that attack the other people. And it's mm. just a huge war, and I'm kind of sick of it. Uh, but th- regarding the news itself, um, 70 million. Now, I wouldn't have um, thought you needed that much for reshoots. So this leads me to believe he's going to be doing some really, you know, really new stuff. Stuff that wasn't maybe in the original cut. I think some brand new scenes that he's maybe worked on since getting the news. He's going to do his cut and release it. You know, and a lot of people saying, oh, this goes to show there was never a cut. (laughs) And that he's doing new stuff. And I'm like, no, no, no. And again, I I think people forget about the creative process Mm. of things. You know what I mean? If you had a project and you walked away from that project and you never got to finish it, right? If you fun- if you came back to that project, you've got a new vision. You've done some other things. You know, you've taken some time. You're going to be thinking about how can I make this even better than I envisioned before. Mm. And you know, if that Im- if that means writing new scenes or writing new dialogue or doing some new action scenes, whatever, all the better for it. If you ask me, so I don't believe when people say he never had a cut. I think he did have a cut. I just think this is part of the creative process where. I've got some new ideas and they will fit into the story I was originally trying to tell to make it even better. I think it's also the fact that like like we said before, alternate cuts are a thing. You know, you've got like Blade Runner famously having like the director's final cut, etc. Um, when I was watching Alien the other day, I forgot that I was like, oh, director's cut. I didn't realize it was, but it's just like an extra minute or something. But um, or like different by a minute. But and the road cut as well is like the biggest one. But um or one of the biggest in terms of like actually making the film quite different. So in, rings. Yeah, so we're quite yeah, extended editions. So we're very used to like that being a thing already anyway. But it yeah, it only does maybe add 10, 20 minutes onto the film. And like you said before, just even if it is the exact same film, style, the way things are played out, shots can just completely change the tone of a movie. And and I'm surprised that they're not people on the other side. Well, okay, maybe I haven't looked enough into the the Snyder fan side of things. Um, just because, like I said, I, I'm just happy and not going down the rabbit hole of all these arguments, etc. But there is also the fact that you look at that Justice League cut and, you know, for example, the Flash falling into Wonder Woman's breasts and going, come on, guys, like, whether, whether there was another cut or not, you can't deny that that definitely wasn't in, you know, uh, Zack Snyder's, like, original version. Because, like, Wonder Woman isn't even looking at the screen, for God's sake, because it was a body double for, for Gal Gadot because she didn't want to do it. And and so and he, all the, but basically all the stuff for Superman because of the mustache. Yeah, so, you know, we, we knew that they changed a lot from that as well anyway. Um, so, you know, reshoots are a thing, but in order for reshoots to happen, there needs to be an original cut or, like, alternate versions of scenes. And, yeah, I think, like you, I think it makes sense. I, it it does make me laugh in, like, a sense of, like, maybe imagine Zack Snyder being like, yeah, there's Gre- uh, Martian Manhunter, Green Lantern, and then, like, he's just, like, approved, you know, suddenly, and he's like, oh, crap. <laughs> I need I've to actually na- got to do this. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, I, I, I better actually make, like, a scene with him in and he's not just flying in the background or something. But, um... I just imagine him, I don't know if you've seen that Simpsons character and he's like on the phone, he's like, oh crap, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that it was illegal. Oh crap, I shouldn't have. Um, but yeah, I think that 
people need to also accept that this has become a different format. You know, it's becoming like a series, you know, like, so mm-hmm. that's the interesting thing as well. So I think, again, regardless of whether like, oh, this goes show, there's another cut and everything. It's like, well, this has become a different thing altogether. And that's what's really interesting about it is that if he's going to play it out in a different way and going to tell it in four parts or whatever it is, then of course, then like, yeah, I would be much happier with that because I wouldn't want to be like swindled out of like, you know, four weeks worth of content, be there at the end of like, oh, there actually wasn't anything new there. So yeah, I I think it makes perfect sense. I think it'll add to the project. And like you said, that maybe things that he wasn't originally allowed to do because of maybe budget constraints or running time. Time time constraints. Exactly. So yeah, I I, I think, like I said, you know, it... I've gone board with the idea of like, yeah, this is his vision. However he wants to do it, you go for it kind of thing. So, you know, I I think the one thing I will say, and it's probably the last thing I'd say on it, is just you were saying earlier about the people who get, uh, you know, like, oh, you know, it sucks, you know, Zack Snyder, blah, 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 you know. And then you get the people on the other side who get like quite aggressive. I think the biggest thing for that, I was watching a video about a completely different scenario, but it, it applies to a lot of these things. And they said, even though we're pointing out this person is wrong or that they're doing these bad things, we still created them because if we hound them and attack them this much, they get defensive of that. So if somebody says the like, oh, uh, Zack Snyder sucks or I don't want to see the Snyder Cup because I didn't like Batman v Superman, if you then get those Snyder fans that all go, well, screw you, he's a visionary, he's a, you know, blah, blah, and you get attack, that person's just going to get more defensive. They're going to be like, no, I hate Zack Snyder. You know, if they they just went to them like, well, that's your opinion, but personally, I really like it, and I'm again excited for it. But like I said, people then will get more heightened, their views will get stronger because there's, like you said, that, that literal war online. So I think, like I said, if people are sick of that, then just tone down the argumentative nature because even though you might not be happy that they have those views you can actually be perpetuating that yourself hmm. yeah, and i've always i've never seen why people you know choose to you know put people down on what they love yeah do you know what i mean like somebody shares a trail or something saying i can't wait for this uh and then you get the provinces like oh I, that film sucks i'm not gonna watch it what the fuck, man? Like, why, why are you, why are you commenting? And and I don't care. Like, just let me enjoy this. Yeah. Like, my big, my biggest pet peeve is always like, you know, that film is trash. That that is a pile of shit. And I'm like, no, you can say I think that it's a pile of trash. Yeah. But like, you're not saying definitively it is trash. You're like, no, it is. And you're like, that just makes people angrier then because you're just stating yeah. that it is crap, not just and you, you get, think and it's the, crap. You got the other one. Uh, they don't understand the characters. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, it's just a different interpretation of the characters, you moron. Yeah. Well, it's like we said when we were talking about like the films that are, you know critics didn't like that we do. We perfectly accept the flaws of those films. We're not making out that they're like Picassos. We just like the other elements that people don't so cling to as, as much as well. So I think people need to be a bit more like that as well. It's like, yeah, if you didn't like Batman v Superman, that's fine. But, you know, personally, I just liked it because of these elements. So, you know, that kind of thing as well. Whereas yeah, a lot exactly. of people will just be like, no, it's a perfect work of art. It's like, <laughs> no. You're like, no, go calm down. <laughs> <Yeah>. Calm down. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this conversation, I don't think it's going to end for a while. And even after the Snyder Cuts come out, this is just going to be kept on going talked about for a while. So <laughs> It'll be on it, Zack Snyder's 
gravestone. <laughs> you know, honestly, like, honestly, <laughs> honestly, the, the Snyder Cut <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the hashtag in there. So yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm looking forward to actually, you know, seeing what he does, especially with Ben Affleck. You know, if because you know, he, as we've said before, he was like, "I'm out," and I'm not, I'm not doing any more. So the fact that he's coming back for the Flash, and mm. you know, I would imagine he's coming back for the reshoots of this. You know, cool. Yeah, cool. He's uh, he seems to be doing it in a better place for it. So I, I've seen conflicting things with Henry Cavill though. Because I think originally you said that he wasn't coming back, but then I've seen other things to say the Trinity are back or like the all you know. Uh no, yeah, it's it's really confusing. Um, I believe Collider had an interview with Henry Cavill, and the question came up. Right. Uh, but technically that interview was done before this announcement. Right. Okay. So, and what a lot of people have rightly pointed out is that, you know, Henry Cavill wouldn't break an NDA just for an interview. No, exactly. So, you know, if he might have already known he was doing the reshoots, but he just can't say anything. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I think it's most interesting as well for uh, Ed, uh, Ezra Miller because, you know, we said in God, you know yeah. the fandom coverage, we were, we were like, okay, yeah, they apparently are not covering off, like, you know, the shady stuff that you know like people have sort of had issues with him about and they didn't even like broach it or say anything about it but like yeah they're going forward with him as the flash and i think that'll be what will be interesting as well is to see whether this cut changes our mind on this and whether him being at those reshoots whether things will change as well as to the trajectory of the character they might want to make it more fit in line with how he's going to be in uh the flash flashpoint movie etc you know, maybe he'll, like, dye his hair blonde at the end to, like, please people <laughs> or something. <laughs> uh, who knows? I mean, yeah, there's... I mean, if you want to add more controversy, we've also got all the stuff with Ray Fisher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you know, which is interesting because he's investigating... Or he has a team of people, you know, having Warner Brothers investigated, yet he's doing reshoots for them. <laughs> yeah. Like, for the same film he's complaining about on the previous reshoots. Yeah, that 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 is crazy. <laughs> So, uh, man, this conversation is not over. I can tell you that. No, definitely not. Definitely not. That, so, would, that would be the worst scenario, actually, is if just, obviously, Zack Snyder wouldn't do this because he said the cyborg is at the heart of the story, etc. But if he was like, maybe I should put Green Lantern and Martian Manhunter in there. <laughs> Cyborg's more of a you know, side character. Yeah. Like, See, I, I, would even, I would even think that these reshoots would be primarily cyborg. Possibly, I would say yeah. if anyone's going to get more new content, it's him. Yeah, him and Aquaman, I think, would need it the most, maybe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we'll stay on DC for the final bit of DC news, and that is the Black Adam has cast their Hawkman. We're going to be getting Aldis Hodge, who was... Uh, I only know him from this year's The Invisible Man. We played a sporting character. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was pretty good in that, but I am not familiar with any of his work. Uh, but a lot of people seem to be on board with this. Um, again, we're going for the gender, not sorry, gender, uh, race swap. So we're going for uh, a black man playing this character, which, if you ask me, kind of makes more sense for the character of Hawkman, uh, considering where he's based in Africa. So, uh, it ca yeah, it does make total sense. Um, I did enjoy him in Invisible Man, but I can't go much off to go with. Um, but if he's going to, you know, he's got to be... He's got to bring his A game if he's going to be alongside DJ. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, what do you think of this? Are you excited to see Hawkman? I mean, it sort of follows through on their promise that we're going to get the JLA. 
yeah. uh, with with Doctor Fate and stuff like that. So I'll be really interested to see who they cast for Doctor Fate. But uh, we got a Hawkman. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's interesting because, um, like you said, I think there's certain character. Well, I think there's the argument that people could say that like any character can be race bended, and I think that's true to an extent, depending on like whether you're saying this is the definitive version. But I do think the like we've seen with like Heimdall and stuff in the floor films I think there are certain characters that you can easily race spend without it being a big issue kind of thing where it's like you know nobody looks at that and goes no way you know kind of thing because it does make sense to the character and it's a great way to get a more diverse cast in there without it being too on the nose and too in your face either kind of thing Mm -hmm. um by saying we're taking this like really famous character and changing it and then people sort of get annoyed etc so yeah, I think that like th- I think that's a good choice. Um, I think it also makes sense that you know you'll have like Dwayne Johnson in this film, so you've already got you know you're gonna have that diversity there from him because he tends to sort of like keep it quite diverse cast anyway. Uh, you know through like the Fast and Furious films, etc. And yeah, I think you know while I still probably would have preferred like Hawkgirl as you know I never a fan of like them being like a duo either like just the fact that like they're not good enough to like be their own characters they have to kind <laughs> yeah. of just turn up as like you know the wonder twins or whatever but um I think again if you're gonna do it at least have just him or just her uh so I think that works and like I said if it is going to be a big cast then you might want to keep it limited you might want to just have it be him Dr. Fate and was it Atom Smasher, was it? Oh, and, they, yeah, and there was like a fourth Oh, one. yeah, because they cast Atom Smasher, didn't they? They got um, who th- that guy that was on the DC fandom with The Rock. Yeah, and hasn't the, what was the female? Like she, something to do with like element. She's like an element or character. Like oh, something to do with wind, shit. Cyclone or something? Or like something yeah, like Cyclone. Yeah, Cyclone. Has she been cast or they just announced her uh, as a character? No, I don't think she's been cast. Okay. I haven't heard I haven't heard anything anyway. But again, I, I can imagine that for as a character working quite well. And like you said, if it is like going uh, traditional with Dr. Fate, he's got like a helmet on his head. So again, you, you want that diversity because, you know, you've already like covered up one character, which you can't see. Unless yeah. they kind of want to go down again, like no no spoilers here, but the boys kind of you know Homeland are like, well, Black Noir is we don't know what race he is, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I you know so I I think it's a good choice. He looks right for the character. Um, I've still got like my trepidations about like you know Dwayne the Rock Johnson and his like culty kind of <laughs> yes. atmosphere that he brings to like. Well, we said earlier about. Uh, you know, like it's, it's rumors and stuff, but like Tom Gru- Cruise, you know, if he was in like a superhero film, etc. And I thought the same thing with him. I was like, uh, I don't know, like I can accept Tom Cruise in a kind of, you know, Mission Impossible, like, you know, these big franchises, but coming into something which has already got an established cast, he's a bit too culty for me with that whole Scientology kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm always a bit wary of these these the like really the only... intense celebrities taking on these big roles. And I'm always like, Ugh. yeah. I've had my thoughts about Tom Cruise, and I think the best way to utilize Tom Cruise as a superhero if he wanted to is the rumored have him as Hal Jordan. Mm. Now, I know a lot of people say his age, you know, he's, he's a bit too old for Hal Jordan. But I would say have him as like a mentor and then introduce um, Jon Stewart as the new sort of younger Green Lantern. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. Think, I, think, I think that would work best if you wanted to have Tom Cruise in there. Somewhere. Yeah. And like with the Birdman thing again, it's you know Birdman, Hawkman. <laughs> if yeah, hopefully that paves the way for a John Stewart Green Lantern as well in terms of that that diversity. So yeah, I, I'm ha- I'm happy for it in in that sense, and I think that 
it adds more legitimacy and like reason to be excited for this film rather than it just being the Dwayne the Rock Johnson show kind of thing. Yeah, it looks like they are trying to make this a DC film rather than a rock film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so we look forward to see when that's going to come out, whenever it does. <laughs> it's been rumored for like 10 years. We'll just see if uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson adds him to his new fitness plan and like all that kind of stuff. You know, <laughs> the, like, you know, like, <laughs> the Black Adam fitness plan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're going to end the show with our last bit of news, and that is our favorite show at the minute, The Boys. Ooh. And its success has, like a lot of other things, spawned a spin-off show. <laughs> there seems to be a theme in this episode. <laughs> yeah, a lot of spin-off shows happening. This one is going to be set in Soup College. Now, not soup as in the stuff you drink. <laughs> if you're watching the show, we mean that's how superheroes are called. Yeah, the boys. I mean, uh, we're going to take all this violence to university with this spin-off show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which is interesting. So we're getting one of the executive producers of the show is uh, creating this, uh, Craig Rosenberg. Uh, it doesn't have a title yet, but he said it's going to take place in a superhero university, which is run by Vought International, the big conglomerate uh, in The Boys. And basically he's saying it's going to... The students that will learn how to use their powers, compete in the best superhero gigs in the city, and get into all kinds of hormone adult drama. Uh, he's also quoted it as part college... Well, uh, sorry, Amazon have phrased it as part college show part Hunger Games uh, and it will just you know ha have be mixed up with the boys style of violence sexual taboos and satire and all that stuff so yeah it, this is interesting because you know the boys has got a certain type of audience that it attracts so I'm wondering how that really graphic nature is going to be brought into a teen show, effectively. If it's going to be, you know, well, you know, young adults type of show, I could say, uh, having them in university. But I think it could work. I think it has worked before, you know, uh, having rated R uh, teen-focused stuff. But I don't know if they want to go that route or if they maybe want to make it more accessible to younger audiences and maybe go a Riverdale route. I don't know if they would go that soap opera-y, but they might do an approach that's more accessible. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think of the news that they're doing this? I don't know. My first reaction to it was kind of, it just made me think of, so as opposed to the Peacemaker kind of announcement where you're like, oh yeah, that sounds really cool. That makes sense. I think to me, like the things that work so well about the boys, I, I can't really see like a spin-off in my head that seems clear. And if it was to be one, I don't think I would have gone with this because you know, I described it when the first season came out as like Watchmen meets Deadpool kind of thing is that, you know, you've got that political commentary, you've got that like ultra violence and humor. So I just don't really see how you can pull that off in like another type of story, really. And especially if Fort is involved in like training up these superheroes, etc. Because I feel the show gives us enough of that, like, hey, we're going to do an ad campaign with Starlight and, you know, you're going to have a movie deal picture. You know, that's all heavily in the show. It's not like you're like, oh, I don't get enough of that. You know, it's quite a big part of the storyline. It's pretty much that and the boys, you know, the actual set of characters and bringing down the soups is the two big things. So, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of, and I don't know if, I'm pretty sure the, one of these come out and maybe I assume got cancelled and I don't know if one was going to come out and ever did. But I feel that Marvel and DC have both done these or at least talked about them. You know, it was like, 
Was it like a response team series where they were like, oh, they clean up all the mess after the superheroes? Oh, yeah. Was it like damage control or something? Yeah, that's it. Like, I don't know if they were doing one which was kind of like a tag on to like, was that DC or Marvel? Um... I feel that there was something that was going to be tight. Oh, to, yes. To um, I, I think they had plans to do like a damage control. I think that was Marvel. Yeah. I think that's def- I think that's Marvel. Because like, I think damage control is owned by Tony Stark, I believe. I'm not ah, 100%. Okay. Not hundred percent sure. I could be I wrong. I think they that. were going to tie it into Agents of Shield, wasn't it? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, um, the other one that was, that was DC. I think it was called Power or something like that, where they were like an insurance company. Yeah, and I think they've done something else recently, which is like it. Also a bit like, uh, is it called Lower Decks? That Star Trek cartoon, which is like about the red shirts and stuff like that. No, I'm not um, sure about that. But that that's actually come out anyway. I know that that is a thing. Um, I think it's on HBO Max, maybe like Netflix here, but that's about, and it's actually got uh, Jack Quaid from The Boys who voices one of the characters. Oh, cool. and, and the idea is, yeah, it's like the red shirts and the people you don't see behind the scenes and it's all kind of Rick and Morty kind of humor. And I'm like, you know, how many of these do we need? Because the joke works in like a series, but I just don't like, I don't know about that concept of like, oh, well, what about these other people you don't see? And like, oh, the people behind the scene. I'm like, I don't really care about them, to be honest. I said, that's the good thing about Wonder, you know, WandaVision and Peacemaker. These are big characters who are getting their own show, like Nick Fury, et cetera. Whereas I don't really care about like a group of six wannabe superheroes that, you know, <laughs> you know, I think, if they were going to do it, I think the way, like, one of the things I really enjoyed in season one was when you had, I can't remember his name, but uh, Haley Joel Osman's character when he had, like, that old 80s show where he's, like, the truth. You could tell when people were lying by touching them. Oh, yeah. Or, like, yeah. sensing them. And uh, they had that old, like, 80s uh, cop show that, like, he made. I think that would be, like, a good series. Not not specifically him, but, like, the different heroes about how they can be used in different television series and different like cult followings how they can vary up but if it is like you said just a hunger games thing of like oh this guy is just you know an archer and he's training for this this girl can do that she's invisible blah 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 and blah uh you know and especially it, yeah it seems like it seems like a different show yeah knowing what we know about vault as well it's like you can't really sell us on the idea of like they're all invested in this because we're like well we know what vault's true intentions are anyway you know, you have that great line in like this season, which is like, you know, we're actually a pharmaceutical company. <laughs> it's like, so like, if unless they play that into the show, I, I don't really see much of a draw there. As much as I love the boys, I I don't know. There's not much there for me from well, that think, synopsis that makes me go, ooh, yeah, I want to watch that. But like yeah, I said, maybe I, it's for a different audience. I think, you know, I don't think by just slapping satire and blood and violence on it, it makes the show the same as the boys. No. I also think what makes the boys so good and why everyone is so drawn to it at the minute is the cast in it. Mm. You know, fr- from both the the ensemble of the boys and all the soups. You know, and the shocking so, nature of it. So you know, again, if they're just pl- if they're just replicating that, it's like it's not exactly. Original, you know, because we're finding you know again no spoilers, but we're finding all this really important information in the boys at the minute. Mm. And if they're just going to play on that, it's like well, there's not really anything new. Like we already know this. We already know Vort's intentions. Yeah, we already know that. Uh, you know, these college kids will eventually be groomed by Vought and yeah. enter the Seven for a short period of time and whatever. Exactly. So I'm just a bit like, eh, okay. Like, I understand why Amazon would want to capitalize on the success of the boys and do as much as possible, but I don't know if this is the right way to go. 
Yeah, I would bef- I would prefer it if they were adapting like some other like niche random comic book series kind of thing. But again, if they want just something that's maybe cheap that can go alongside it. Again, maybe if they went down, if they are going to go with the idea of like training up superheroes. Like I was always, you know, the fact that they like, oh, this co- hero covers this city and this hero covers that city. I've always found that a bit like, that's a bit like on the nose, isn't it? Because, you know, like I said, usually in most comic book media, even though, like I said, Superman's like Metropolis, Spider-Man's New York, etc. They can still go other places kind of thing if they wanted yeah. to. Um, so I've always found that didn't like stick to the, the traditions of superheroes to say that they're based in that one place. But I did find it interesting when they when uh, uh, was a Madeline Stillwell was talking to that governor saying, "Oh well, uh, if you do this, we'll give you uh, st- whatever Stormfront. You know, like we'll give you this hero in trade off for this." So I thought that was interesting. If you kind of saw that like political nature of like you know using heroes as like leverage and bait as like you know oh i've been signed to this city and like why you know like they could uncover why they've been signed to that city you know find out undercover that kind of stuff but again if it's more of a like bottle kind of series in which it's just all in this one location i'm like okay (laughs) yeah We'll see, I guess. I mean, we do have Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg attached to it, executive producers, but then we know executive producer doesn't always mean everything. Yeah, they signed a check one day. <laughs> yeah, they were like, oh, why don't you put this there? <laughs> yeah. Great, cool, credit. <laughs> uh, so that's it, man. That is all the news that we have this week. And considering that uh, there's no new films coming out, there's a lot of news going on. Uh, yeah, we've traveled through the multiverse of the different. Uh... We have, and it's all pri- and it, it's all primarily on the small screens. Yeah, makes sense. I think until, like you said, you get those big blockbusters, that's not until you're going to start seeing big movie headlines again because we can't be talking about what's going to happen in 2023 until we we still haven't had a film like Black Widow, can we? So Exactly. We need we need to sort our shit out first before <laughs> yeah. we can start going to the cinema again. Yeah. So wear your goddamn mask, people. I want to <laughs> go to a movie theater. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Please forgive uh, me. But Let's uh, let's end the show then as we usually do with our plugs. So, Dave, where can the people find you and talk to you and get all your controversial opinions? Yes, uh, you can catch me on Twitter at David Osgar, that's O-S-G-A-R, and uh, you can also catch me writing on davidosgarwriting.wordpress.com uh, and on freshtakehub.com as well. So hopefully some stuff, fun stuff coming up soon. Everyone, plug Dave, get involved, get the conversation going. And you, if you want to have a conversation with me, you can find me on Twitter at Sweaty Jake. And Capes, Cows and Mask, you can follow us on Twitter at Capes, Cows, Mask. And we're also on Facebook, so you can find and like us there. Give us a share to all your friends. Any share at all is incredibly appreciated. That's how we're going to get this show out there. Keep the conversation going. And if you like this episode... Check out our previous episodes, which are all available on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and a couple of other podcast stations where you can get all them from. Uh, But until the next show, guys, take it easy and stay safe.